Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy. How many of you guys enjoyed our uh, sessions, our, our word on the gifts of the Spirit? Did y'all receive from that? I, I, I pray that it was revelatory, that you, you saw something you, you haven't seen. At, at the very least, owning the exercise of these gifts, valuing these gifts, and desiring these gifts to be in operation. Amen? Uh, these gifts are to be seen, are to be present, are to be evident. You know, it's, a, it's an absolute lie from the devil himself to make us think that this stuff has been done away with. That's exactly what he wants you to think. And we've talked about this before, but any area that he's attacking or any area that he's opposing, it's a pretty good indication of what ought to be valued, right? I mean, if I was your enemy and I knew you had a strength or you had a power or you had a gift that would uh, be my demise, I'm going to hide it from you. I'm going to manipulate it. I'm going to tweak it, right? I'm going to keep that thing as far from you. And many of us are not missing out on the realities of heaven because it's not ours, but because of awareness. Awareness is the key that is endangering the church today. It's, it's coming down to what are we aware of? What do we know we have? Who, who do we know that we are? You know, Pastor Earl made a great statement at camp when he ministered. And, uh, you know, you know, Pastor Earl, he's just bold. He just comes right out with it. Um, you know, maybe that's where I get it from. But uh, he made a statement. He said, you know what? Many of you seniors in the room that are getting ready to graduate, maybe have already graduated and going off to college, you are getting dismantled out there. You're going to these secular universities, and they're absolutely on day one dismantling everything you thought you knew, you knew or believed about the church, about the word of God, about who God is. They are shredding you apart. They're tearing you up. They're, they're chewing you up, spitting you out, man. I mean, you don't stand a chance. It's not just seniors. It's not just the youth. It's not just teenagers that are struggling with that. We've got to find out a way to make this stuff a reality in our lives. And we've been talking now for some time on the, the spiritual capacities of our lives and the spiritual uh, life that we have got to be engaging in as believers. We are getting robbed of who we are and what we have and ultimately the mission that we are called to accomplish on this earth because we're not tapping into the spiritual capacities. I'm telling you right now, there's not enough books on this earth. There's not enough scholars. There's not enough podcasts. There's not enough pastors and teachers and, and churches and theological centers and universities and seminaries and cemeteries. There's not enough of them on the planet to instruct you naturally to be well-armed for what's coming in these last days. I'm telling you, the ones that are going to get picked off in these last days, they know the word. They've heard it a thousand times. They've been raised in it. They take the notes and they open the Bibles and they highlight the scriptures, but it's the ones where revelation jumps off this page. And it's not just a book. It's not just the story, but it's actually the reality of my life. 
We've got to understand miracles that happened in the Bible were a reality. They actually took place from the most reliable book on the planet, guys. As much as it's been challenged, questioned, tried to be done away with, they can't get rid of it. They can't challenge it. It is irrefutable. There is evidence that backs up historically, scientifically, forensically supporting this book right here. And the least that we know about it, it cannot become a reality in our life. It cannot become real. It cannot become practiced, and it cannot become a movement that's literally going to collide with this earth, shake this earth until all that can be shaken is shaken, and what's left will remain. That is the unshakable kingdom of God. So we've, we've got to get this in us. And so I'm going to continue in that vein and continue in that path um, here uh, for the foreseeable future on these Wednesday nights, um, just talking about life in the spirit, talking about what it means to live out of our spirits and, and not denying the flesh, but empowering our natural capacities to align with heavenly realities. Does that make sense? I'm not, I, I'm not wasting away and dying and just wishing I can go up to heaven and be a spiritual being with God. I'm wanting to be a force for the kingdom of God here on this earth, but I'm going to make sure that my, my flesh and my natural body and these components are used as a force for the kingdom of God and not for evil. And everything that has to be explained and everything that has to be understood and everything that has to be backed up factually and scientifically to make it make sense here, it's, it's not going to, it's going to compromise your ability to bring heaven to earth. I'm talking about living in realities that are beyond natural understanding. I'm talking about living out of an element that's beyond what I can cognitively and, and comprehend here in my thinking capacity. We're a creative bunch. We're awesome. God has created us with, with great minds and, and great uh, abilities to create and manufacture, but not outside of his kingdom plan. So we got to get this in alignment. So 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Did I tell you all to go there already? 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Reading out of the New American, it says this. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7 says, and we know this verse, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity. New King James Version says what? It says a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Uh, in the Amplified Classic, it reads this way. That is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. Verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. Man, isn't that good? But he has given us a spirit. Everyone say spirit. 
He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Got one more for you. In the Passion, it reads this way. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift of God. Everyone say spiritual gift of God. The spiritual gift of God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give you the spirit of fear. But the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. As we are, you know, continuing to engage and, and walk through this discovery of this life in the Spirit, we have to understand those things that come to contradict a life in the Spirit. Why does it become so unnatural for believers to walk only out of the natural and never give any attention or focus or draw or pull on the spirit of God that's within us. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. And even though we become saved, even though we become born again, even though we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, even though uh, we have the desire and, 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 the, and, and, and the want to, if you will, to align with God's purpose and God's plan, it seems what cripples us is we don't place enough emphasis on the spiritual capacities. We don't place enough value and gain enough revelation on spiritually what is taking place in our lives. Naturally, we know we pray to prayer. Naturally, we know we're supposed to go to church. Naturally, we know we're supposed to read this book called the Bible. Naturally, we know that we're supposed to engage in prayer or some form of communication. We know all the natural things to do, yet those things still naturally alone are not providing the power or providing the resource needed to see this world change for the kingdom of God. And it's why we ultimately resort to, I just want to leave the earth rather than change the earth. There's many times where I make statements such as what I just made and in our religious thinking, or if I was in a religious crowd, it, it, it would totally, it, it would come up against their thinking. They would almost think that I'm, I'm being um, heretical in, in saying that or, or that I'm going against God's ultimate plan because we've bought into a completely different plan of escape rather than change. Leave instead of bring, right? Deny the earth and deny its passions and just be as good as I can. All of that is just natural capacity alone. But when we come up against these spiritual efforts, now we start challenging some things. Now we start recognizing that there's, there's more to accomplish. There's more to do. There's more to be. There's more to gain, right? Didn't Jesus say, what is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Meaning, what, what is it that we've done everything naturally we can do and still made no spiritual effect or emphasis on the planet while we were here? 
I don't remember who the quote is associated to, but somebody made a quote along the lines of, you don't have the right to leave this earth without the world knowing you were here. What is the mark that we're leaving? What is, how will they know? What is the impression? How will they know we were here on this earth? What did we change? There's got to be some level of impact that brings meaning to our lives. In this verse, it's really interesting because he labels, Paul writing to Timothy, labels things as spiritual. The first thing he mentions is God has not given us a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear. And then he responds with, but of, and if we look at the um, uh, Amplified Classic in verse 7, it says, but he has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I find it interesting that he calls these things spiritual. Because all four of those things that he just mentioned, fear, power, love, and even self-control, we have dumbed down to being feelings. Feelings. Emotions. Love is an emotion. Fear. I fear, or I feel fearful. And what he's helping us understand is there's actually spiritual efforts and, and spiritual principalities behind these things. And what I want us to help us uh, uh, uncover and reveal, and you know, I don't know how many weeks it'll take, we'll just journey through it and see where we go. Many of us have heard a lot of messages on the spirit versus the flesh, right? We know Romans chapter 8, don't, uh, th th there's the mind set on the flesh and the mind set on the spirit, right? The mind set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And he goes through that whole flesh versus spirit deal. We know that there's a flesh nature, right? A sinful nature that wants to abandon God's principles, abandon God's realities, doesn't want anything to do with God. But I want to talk about, I want to shift over to one that I don't think we've talked about enough in church, and it's spirit versus feelings. If the enemy can't get you to be mastered by your flesh, he'll get you to be mastered by your feelings. And I believe that we have a church today that is mastered by their feelings. We, we, we have believers that, to a degree, have learned to overcome their flesh, but they haven't learned how to overcome their feelings. And their feelings cause them to jump ship. I mean, maybe even in the song that we just sung. You are my champion. You know, when I shout, walls come down, giants come down. And maybe that doesn't jive with how you feel. But you know what? We have fostered a culture in church for far too long now that tells believers their feelings matter. And I hope we can be honest enough with each other tonight. I hope I can be honest with myself and I can be honest with you that our feelings don't matter as much as we think they do. Now, God gave us feelings and God gave us emotions. God gave us a soul. But, but feelings are a great servant, but they're a terrible master. And many times we're even saying things that we feel 
and we use the word feel and call it a God thing, and it wasn't a God thing any more than just we had bad pizza. Come on now. We've got to learn to be a church in these last days that knows how to master their feelings. We let our feelings get out of control. We let our feelings tell us what to do. We let our feelings direct and guide us. And here's the thing, guys. This is the, this is the deceptive nature of it, is spirit and feelings can honestly a lot of times look the same. We can call it the spirit, but it was no more than just a feeling. We've got to create greater discernment in this area. We've got to train ourselves to divide between the two, to divide between what is spirit-led, what is spirit-accomplished, what is the, the goal and the mission of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and then communing with our spirit, because you are a spirit, and what is just our feelings, what is just the whim, what is just the gut, what, because, you know, the Bible says that we are to be led by what? The Spirit of God, a still, small voice, uh, uh, an inward witness, maybe you've, you've heard it. And so sometimes that, that can, the, the, the inward witness can sound like my own thoughts. Sometimes that inward witness, that still, small voice, that leading of the Spirit on the inside can, can it, it, it can mask or, or it, can, it, can, it can seem like my feelings and vice versa. My, my feelings might seem like, am I being led by the Spirit? And there's got to be a way to master it. I don't think God expected us to live on this planet, you know, spirit beings possessing a soul, living in a body, just living our lives confused. Am I listening to my own feelings or am I listening to the Holy Spirit? No, I think there's a way to, that, that we can train ourselves and we can get ourselves out of the feelings side and get into the spirit side. Hebrews chapter uh, 5, the writer of Hebrews, kind of gives us some insight here. In uh, Hebrews chapter 5, I want to begin with verse uh, 12. Verse 12, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Just to be clear, this is not someone we want to be. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. I'm saying that, but but we've we've tolerated this in the church. We've tolerated immaturity in the church. In fact, we've almost valued it. I mean, about 10, 12, 15 years ago, I'd hear more messages against mature Christians than for the encouragement of developing mature Christians. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. 
because mature Christians were hypocrites and mature Christians were Pharisees and mature Christians knew everything but didn't do anything. But that doesn't mean we just live life on the most surface level and, and, and never desire to grow and never desire to become and never desire to go towards something. But we've, we've tolerated this and even celebrated it at times. The immaturity. No, he's saying that we've got to grow. We've got to get, we've got to move towards some things. He said you ought to be teachers. Verse 13 says, for everyone who partakes only of a milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness for he is an infant. But verse 14 says, solid food is for the mature. Now watch this. Who because of practice, everyone say practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. They have their senses trained. Did you know that you can train your senses, train your feelings? I mean, this is why we have a church today that accepts um, experience over the word of God. The moment you read a scripture that doesn't align with your experience, what happened to grandma or what's going on in your body or what you're experiencing in your finances or what kind of church you go to, then all of a sudden I'm lowering God's word down to my experience instead of desiring to see my experience align with God's word. We have not kept the validity and the honor and the value for God's word that we ought to. I know it sounds like I'm picking a lot of stuff apart, but I'm just trying to get us set up so we can move toward the things that we need to move toward in the spirit. But we cannot continue to devalue and dishonor God's word. And how do I dishonor that? By by reading a scripture that says, by his stripes, I'm healed, and then still challenging divine health. That's dishonor. That's That's saying, ah, you missed it. I'm the one exception to the, we all think we're the one exception why God's word isn't going to come to pass in our lives. Now, all of a sudden, my experience with, 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 with so-and-so, not getting a healing, not getting a breakthrough, not getting a miracle, not getting this, not getting that. You know, I heard someone minister just recently that, that just was really eye-opening. In, in Mark chapter 6, I'm going to take a little tangent here just so I can just show you what dishonor does. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus shows up at his hometown. He's ministering to his own family, to his own people of Nazareth. And they saw the miracles, signs, and wonders. They heard the astonishing word. And it said that they heard these things and they saw these things, but they were offended and they dishonored him. And it said this, he could do no mighty work there. And this individual I was listening to said this, what if miracles are attached to honor? And since we live in a country that dishonors anything we disagree with, we're cutting off our supply to miracles. We're cutting off our supply to the power of God. What if honor was the breeding ground, the haven 
for the miracle working power of God. Because there's other countries that they still understand honor. It doesn't matter who's in office, they honor. It doesn't matter, uh, it doesn't matter what, peop- what they disagree with, there's still honor. Honor, is, honor doesn't get turned on and turned off. Honor is honor. And you don't get tested in honor when you're getting your way. You get tested in honor when you're submitting yourself to an administration that you greatly disagree with. When we have a man of God, uh, we have a president of the United States that doesn't even have the fear of the Lord in his life. Period. I can say that. And I'm not dishonoring. That's just the truth. But that doesn't mean I flip over and I make fun of. And now I'm discrediting and dishonoring and, and saying all kinds of, come on now. Are there any conservative people in this church right now? What happens? We, we, we have all this dishonor. We think that we only honor the honorable. And then we wonder why we're not seeing miracles, signs, wonders. We, we wonder why we're not seeing the hand of God. We wonder why we're not seeing the power of God. We're wondering why we're not seeing the revivals that we, we believe for. We get in here and pray for revival and we get out there and we make fun of and mock and mimic. Come on now. It's not going to work, guys. We cannot continue dishonoring with our mouths out of one side and then the other side crying out for miracle signs and wonders and revival to show up. They dishonored Jesus and it cut off the supply. The only time, it wasn't because Jesus wouldn't, is because Jesus couldn't. Jesus didn't show up and say, you dishonor me, I ain't doing no miracles said he could do no mighty work there. This It's not going to work. We've got to shift some things in the church. I'm talking to the church now. I'm not talking to the world. I'm not talking to sinners. I'm not talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to those that have attained to the truth. And we've got to hold some value. We've got to hold some honor. And we're cutting off our own supply to heaven. We're cutting off our own supply to the things that God wants to do in and through our lives. And so he says, solid food, verse 14, is for the mature. Who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Because of practice. Are we practicing mastering our feelings? Is that a practice of ours? You know, I've I've helped people overcome their flesh. I've helped people put down their flesh and overcome, you know, addictions, habits, thought life, uh, you know, whatever, just, you know, fleshly sinful nature. But, you know, you, you come up against a whole nother giant when you start dealing with people's feelings. And man... I mean, entitlement doesn't rear its ugly head any more than when it comes to our feelings. You know, feelings always seem rational. You will always have a good reason to feel fearful. You'll always have a good reason to feel angry. You'll always have a good reason to feel unloving. You'll always have a good reason to feel depressed. You'll always have a good reason. Why? Because feelings attract whatever strengthens their position. Feelings will attract and draw in whatever strengthens their position. 
I'm mad at that person, and I'll tell you why. I hate that, and I'll tell you why. I'm fearful and afraid, and I'll tell you why. I'll give you case in point. The, the, the Israelites in Numbers chapter 13, when they came up on the promised land. We got 12 spies going in. We got 10 of them coming out with a bad report, don't we? Got 10 spies, and they come back saying, you know, yep, it, it's a great and vast land. It's got great resources, uh, but there's giants in the land. It's too big for us to take. Its inhabitants are too many. You know, all, all the excuse, and, and they had an excuse and a complaint and a grumble for every, and naturally, it was justifiable. Naturally, it was justifiable. I've said this before, but, you know, those 10 spies, they didn't come out of that promised land saying, let's all agree on fear. They said, let's all choose wisdom. They thought they were choosing the right thing to do. And they justified it. They had their reasons. But then it manipulated God's word over them. See, that's when you know feelings are getting in the way as it starts manipulating and challenging God's word over your life. You can follow God's word, you can follow your feelings, but you cannot follow both. Your feelings will never get you to where God's word will get you. We need a people today that do it regardless of what they feel like, regardless of how they feel, regardless of what their, their sight, their eyes tell them, regardless of what their ears tell them, regardless of how their feelings inform them. See, you're supposed to be informing your feelings. Your feelings are not supposed to be informing you. But when you start taking your, your, your cues from feelings, you cannot end up where God wants you to end up. We cannot accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. A lot of times we don't recognize that these, what we would call a feeling, are actually spiritual components, spiritual principalities. He calls it a spirit of fear. And you know what we do to try to curve fear? We come up with every natural ability and every natural resource known to man to try to curve our fear, try to curve our hate, to try to curve our our lust, to try to curb, you know, any feeling. And so what are we doing? We're trying to combat something spiritual with something natural. Don't we do this? We try to curve what is a, we have to recognize this is not just a feeling. There is a spiritual component behind this thing. I mean, even with the ruling that just took place last week, you know, regarding abortion, I, I had no, you know, my, my eyes, you know, I, I, I'm, I feel like I've gotten to the point there's no more surprises anymore. But, but, you know, the last four or five days now, I've just been more surprised than, than I, I, I might have. When it comes to babies in the womb and advocating for their life, I'm just absolutely appalled at the response, not from the world, from the church. The ones opposing what took place last week and the ones remaining silent. Um, I'm, it blows my mind. I'm serious. You know, I, I've, had to, I've had to check my own heart a little bit. 
I've had to check myself a little bit because I'm just like, this is this ought to be the most basic common sense thing that we should all be selling. Do I have to explain to you why this is something that the church should be advocating for and celebrating and supporting? Have we gotten this far, guys? The delusion is at an all-time high, but it's because devotion is at an all-time low. Where there's a lack of devotion, there's an increase of delusion. I can tell you right now, if we don't remain connected to the Father, like I talked about on Sunday, if you, I mean, there's people that they don't even know the heart of the Father. They call themselves Christians and are challenging some of the most basic, simple, God-honoring belief systems. The value of life. And you know what? Every single time, they can justify it. They can rationalize it. They have spent their efforts justifying Roe versus Wade. They have spent their efforts rationalizing why this should be legalized and why women should have access to this and why it should be okay and why our country's doing the wrong thing in, in opposing anything that tells women you have free access to abortions. Have we gotten here? Is this, have we really gotten here? That's a spirit. Guys, that's not just opinion. That's a spirit. And we're seeing spiritual, I'm telling you, we're seeing spiritual principalities broken. Who thought we would have seen that take place under this administration? But look what God is doing. Because he's raising up a remnant that's going to stand for his word. And that's not going to be moved. Come on, every day the enemy's trying to move you. Are you going to stay in the fight? He's just trying to wear you down, man. He knows he can't overcome you. He knows he can't defeat you. He knows he's the defeated foe. He knows, but if he can hide that awareness from you, you'll check out before your time. And that's one less opposition he has to go through. No, we've got to understand that these are spiritual elements at play. And so then he mentions, you know, power, love, and sound mind. And you don't want to miss Sunday because we're going to continue with distinct. And I'm going to talk about what probably the number one thing that makes the believer distinct in this earth, it's power. And I'm going to break it down. I mean, you're going to see it so clear. You're going to walk out of here wanting to go to Cheddar's and lay hands on people. I can tell you right now. Be looking for some demons to take down. Because a church without power is not even the church. We've learned how to do it without power. We've learned how to keep, we've learned how to fill seats without power. In fact, we've told people if you have power, you won't fill the seats. We have bought into some of the most ridiculous lies I've ever seen in my life. And in the name of witness, in the name, you understand he says, that you can't even witness without the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, power, love, a sound mind, all of these are spiritual components. They're not just feelings. They're not just something you can turn on and turn off. You either have it or you don't. We've got to, we've got to get beyond this issue 
of our feelings. God will never consult your feelings to get his will accomplished through your life. I'll say that again. God will never consult your feelings to get his will accomplished through your life. You would be amazed if you went through the word and you saw the individuals that were called against how they felt. Abraham. I mean, Abraham questioned God. Are you sure you got the right guy? Sarah laughed when Jesus himself is saying, you are going to be a mother of, of many nations. You're going to give birth. And, 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 you know, she's back there in the tent laughing. And then when Jesus says, did you laugh? She says, no. She lied straight to his face. This is what feelings will do. Moses had a feeling of insufficient, right? Inadequate. Literally arguing with God at a burning bush. If a bush is burning, I'm doing whatever you're saying. I'm not, you're not getting any pushback from me. He's literally arguing with God and makes God angry in the process. Because he keeps denying, keeps coming up with a reason why he can't do it. Against his feelings. The Israelites in the promised land, what? They felt like they couldn't take the land. But what was the word of the Lord over that? That was their land. That was their home country. They were supposed to go in there and take territory for the kingdom of God. There's a, a prophet Elijah. Man, he got to a point where he just wanted to die. He was alone. He was depressed. He was telling God, I'm the only one out here still fighting for the cause of the kingdom. I'm the only one out here. Everyone else is forsaking you. He was depressed. He wanted, he, you know, wanted his life to just be gone. Just take my life. Just get me up out of here. Yeah, against his feelings. How about Jesus in the garden? What did he feel like doing? If there's any way this cup can be passed from me. He let us know what I feel like doing is finding another way around this thing. What I feel like, what my feelings tell me. But yet today, we, we've, we've created a church environment that tells people that they're supposed to tap into their feelings. We teach them how to, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and embrace their feelings. No, not according to the word. God never consulted someone's feelings. Hey, Moses, I need you to go and deliver my people. You feel like it? You up to the task? You know what he consults? Faithfulness. In the parable of the talents, the three men, one given five, one given two, one given to one, it said it was given to them based upon what they had already been faithful with, what they had proven they could handle, what they had proven they can do. God isn't consulting your feelings. He's not asking you if you feel like it, if it's okay, uh, what, what, what do you think about this? He's not asking any of those questions. He's calling you saying, I'm going to take you somewhere that only I can take you. And you're going to have to rely on and lean on my spirit. And you're not going to feel like doing it. You're going to feel like quitting. You're going to feel like giving up. You're going to feel like laying out. You're going to feel like moving here or doing that. And I'm going to keep you in a place sometimes to directly go against 
against your feelings. Your feelings need opposition so you can learn to master them. If God only called you to do things that you felt like doing, does he really have your heart? Does he really have your passion? Does he really have your will? If it always aligns and goes, and I'll be honest, I don't want an assignment from God that my mind can comprehend. Can we just go ahead and get there? Can we just go ahead and get ourselves there and understanding? I want to live beyond my natural capacity. I want to live outside of my natural ability and tap into the Spirit's ability. I want to get into a place where it's hard to love. I want to get into a place where it's hard to be bold. I want to get into a place where it's hard to remain at peace. I want to get into a place where it's hard, where it's difficult on my flesh so I can crucify my flesh, master my feelings, and know that I'm fully submitted to the plan and purpose of God. We've got to get there. We've got to master this. We've got to do better. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I'm just kind of setting us up tonight. You might not have felt like coming out here in the rain. Might not have felt like going through what you had to go through to come in. But I'm telling you, we got to get to a place where we can even overcome the natural limitations. The nat- If we can't overcome natural things, how in the world are we going to be expecting ourselves to rise spiritually and overcome some spiritual things? I'm not one of those that, that says, you know, Whatever you do naturally is always an indication of your heart. I mean, look, things come up. I understand. But, but, but if we can't get to a place where we can even challenge ourselves in the flesh, because I'll tell you right now, I, I can go to, go, go to uh, Africa, and they'd be outside. They don't care. In fact, Chase and I, when we went to Kenya, it poured. We were on the, the, the second floor of this building, and, and we're, there's no, we're not enclosed. There's a roof, and, and, and there's walls, but there's no AC. There's, it's just, you know, open. And, it, and I don't have a sound system. I don't have a microphone. And I'm having to scream at the top of my lung to get over this rain. They don't care. They do not care. They don't care what they have to walk through. They don't care how long it's going to be. They don't care how loud it's going to be. They don't care uh, who's going to be there or who's not going to be there. There's just some things we're just going to have to learn to just Set our flesh aside and say, man, I'm going no matter what. I'm doing this no matter what. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as, here it is, the division of soul. That's where the feelings take place. The division of soul and spirit both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The the 2022 church doesn't want to hear judging thoughts and intentions of the heart, right? We love the God knows my heart. You know what? He does. That's the scary part. (laughs) He does. He sure does. He knows the thoughts. He knows the intents. He knows the motives. 
The Passion Translation reads it this way. We have the living word of God, full of energy like a two-mouthed sword. It will penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. Give it to you in the Amplified real quick and we'll wrap this up. For the word of God, for the word that God speaks is alive, full of power. Everyone say full of power. Making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrating to the dividing line. You know, that's, that's really the issue is we have meshed spirit and feelings so well together. We don't know where one ends and where one picks up. But he says, when you get in the word, when you truly value the word, it'll create a line between what's just my feelings and what is the spirit of God. Dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. Exposing, sifting, look at these words, analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. You know, we ought to be a people, we want God to expose, analyze, judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let's stop being a church that thinks that there's a a little pocket somewhere we can hide how we really feel, hide what we really think, hide what we really want, hide what those intents. Let's just come to the realization God knows anyways. So let's align it with his will and his purpose. Let's align it with what he's calling us to do. Let's get out of our feelings. Maybe I'll title this tonight, get out of your feelings. Get out of our feelings and get into the spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.